Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Maybe just a tad more, Ben, please. Thank you. Thank you. We need to learn about transitions. We need, to, we need to learn more about transitions when we transition from one thing to another. Um, when the manifested presence of the Lord is here and he's ministering, so I want you to remember this. Keep your spirit. Don't just go cray-cray in the next moment. Um, I'm really sensing the presence of God here, uh, the glory of God, and... Uh, it can be like a clanging bell if we don't transition properly from the presence, manifested presence of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a learning moment. It's something we can learn uh, when he's here like this. Um, it's how we learn and how we navigate the presence of the Lord. And I, I want to keep that. I love what uh, uh, Sister Debbie said about Ruth Heflin. She said, praise until the glory comes. Praise. And we kind of struggled with that this morning. Uh, but we found it. We found it collectively and corporately. And when we corporately do that, it ushers in his presence. And the glory fills the temple, not just this building, but the glory of God fills the temple made without hands. You are the temple of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but when his presence is filling me in that way, there's no other place I want to be. I just, I don't want to do anything. I really don't want to teach anything. I don't want to do anything but be in his presence because it's so vast. It's so all-consuming. It's so transformational. Things happen in your neurons, in the cells, in your body, in your spirit, in your soul. Adjustments come. Transitions. 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 I heard in the spirit be careful of transitions. And this is why we want to, it, it's like we don't want to actually tur accidentally turn a faucet off with our elbow. You know, be careful. Let's keep this flow of the spirit coming. Um, so I'm excited. I've, uh, the Lord told me he wanted me to bring a word on this topic. Uh, Brother Sean started uh, talking about it this morning. He even used the title of the word today, and the word is angels among us. You see, at the Feast of Tabernacles, and starting with September and the Feast of Trumpets, a new season began, a new year in God's calendar in your life. We're thinking about New Year's parties because we've been trained that on December 31st. But the new year happened <laughs> in September. And, you know, the celebrations and the trumpets sounding. And we, as I've said for many, many years, we start celebrating Christmas and the birth of the Son of the Living God in September and at the feast because that was when that all began. And so 
I want to start today's word a little bit. Hey, I just want to give you, last night we were in a situation where we were talking trivia. This isn't trivia, and it's not trivial. Okay? So sometimes we connect trivia, you know, it's trivial. But this isn't trivial. This isn't trivial. I want you to remember. I want you to not only remember, but I want you to believe God's angels are among us. God brought a word here recently. He's continued the theme. But God is working behind the scenes of your life. And we've had testimonies of angels and angelic activity in our lives. And many others I hear, you know, this is going on. This is ongoing. It's moving constantly. Uh, today, the angels of heaven, are they're right over there. Also, there's angels assigned to a nation. You know, there's angels assigned to our nation. There's angels assigned to the nations that are at war today, wherever that may be. There are angels on assignment to accomplish God's will. So, so um, I just want to say, what are angels? I want to kind of give you a quick thing, just very quick. Uh, I won't ask you for your responses, but when I ask the question, what are angels, you know, what are they? Somebody came up and said, well, what are they? Well, they're created spiritual beings. They're created spiritual beings. And they have not always been in existence. The first, the only way that we can find where it's recorded is in Genesis, in Genesis 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, and so the heavens, the earth, were completed, and all their heavenly host. The angels are referred to, another name for them, are the heavenly host of angels. We sang about them. We heard about them today, Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So they were created to bear the message of God. They're messenger bearers and protect the people of God. We see story after story in the word of God telling us and, and to implement judgments. We know in the, in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, three angels that appeared in human form. The people thought they were human beings when he, they arrived at Sodom. And they wanted to have uh, strange relations with them. And these angels had come to execute the judgment of God and call fire down and to save and spare and protect Lot and his family and took them literally out of the, the city because they had lived in the filth of the world so long they didn't realize how bad it was. Come on. There's something to be said for that. Um, they are spirit, which are sometimes given temporary human-looking bodies. Uh, so they are to do specific jobs while they're on assignment. There are also other heavenly beings. Um, so we have angels that I've just described in that form. But there's other created heavenly beings, and that is the cherubim. And we see... Um, this, and we hear of the seraphim in Isaiah. Uh, the seraphim, an angel came during that time, an encounter with Isaiah, and they were cleansing. 
Remember he said, oh, oh, the God is here. His presence has filled the temple. I, I am a man of unclean lips. Oh, woe is me. And an angel came while the seraphim were there and put a coal to his mouth. You see, when we're in the presence of the Lord, as I told you a moment ago, transitions are important to you. They are so important to you because God is here and his messengers and his angels and the host, the heavenly host that is working behind the scenes of your life and in your life, even in the midst of tragedy, trials, even in the triumphs, God is at work. And these seraphim were there. Uh, the cherubim, it describes, these are described as having wings and various things. And I don't have time to get in there, but we also heard today in Revelation about uh, the uh, living creatures that have a face of a man, an ox, an eagle, and so on and so forth. And I'm not giving you a treatise on this today, but I want you to think about it. But I have some questions, or, or I have some answers. Angels are not omnipresent. Michael, the warring angel, cannot be here and at the same time working over in the Middle East today. We've learned that through the word of God. When Daniel had been praying, and he was waiting for an answer of God, and it took 21 days of a war, a spiritual war that was going on. So Daniel could not get the word of the Lord. So some of you have been praying, asking God, listen, there is spiritual warfare coming on any answer that's being sent to your life. You've got to interact. You've got to understand what is going on in your life. It isn't just what you think it is. God is sending out angels with answers. God is sending out angels with judgments. God is sending out angels that open doors. You know, windows from heaven are open wide. and But they can't be everywhere. They're not like God. God can be everywhere. Jesus is everywhere. Holy Spirit is everywhere. All at the same time. Do people have individual guardian angels? We're going to hear the answer to that in a few minutes. Do angels have wings, halos, and harps? Do we see pictures of that? Some of those have, have them on our Christmas trees right now. I don't see any of those hanging in the chapel today. But you know what I mean? We see it on TV. There's a halo. They're playing the harp. Um, there is absolutely no reference in the Bible, the Word of God, or in any other <laughs> place that would be spiritual that says they have wing uh, that they have um, wings, it says they fly. Superman flies, and he doesn't have wings, right? So I just want to, God wants to blow up some of your thinking. They're not little things to put on your tree. These are created beings that have been created very powerfully to do the bidding and the will of God. So there's nothing like that. Uh, nothing is said about them having halos or harps. 
And um, do Christians become angels when they die? This is a big one. I'm telling you. I come across, well, I'm going to be an angel. I'm going to be your angel. But guess what? You're not. You aren't an angel. You were created a human being with a human spirit. There's no word that you're turning into an angel. The only, uh, well, I won't get into that because that's another whole teaching. But do we become angels? There is nowhere in scripture that it says you will become an angel. Nowhere. If you find it, please bring it to me. Because that page was missing in my Bibles. All of my Bibles. But when the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord, who is the angel of the Lord? This is another deep teaching that I'm not going to get into today. But it is, it's the angel of the Lord is the Lord Jesus or Father, the angel of God, the angel of the Lord. And they're three in one, so that happens. And then we can talk, but I wanted to clear up some of that stuff. And uh, now we can transition to the word. We're in a season right now. The feast, we're actually operating in the new, the first few weeks of the new year. It is a prophetic season right now, as uh, Pastor Sean likes to tell you. We're in a prophetic season. And that's why you all are prophetic season. We better listen up. And you get serious on him. But we are. So if you need to sober up for a moment to say, yes, this is real. Spiritual things are happening right now in your life if you had the eyes to see but typically we are our eyes are distracted with everything we're seeing right here in this room and how beautiful this looks today for all those that came and graciously decorated our beautiful sanctuary of the Lord doesn't look beautiful today doesn't minister to you I love things that are beautiful because he is beautiful and if there's something beautiful, then it's reflecting his glory. You know? Amen. I want to share with you. So that means we are in the midst of visitations. Visitations from God and the heavenly host and everything that's going on bidding his will. Did you know that there are over 292 references in the Bible some say 500, but those are extremely general. But, I mean, there's more than that. Referring to angels or their activity or something going on. And there's at least 79 stories in the Bible that are actual stories where people are encountering angels. Amen? So let's turn with me to, cha to Luke chapter 1. Uh, as the world is celebrating this season. And this tells us, uh, I want you to, I want to tell you about some of the time period here. This really uh, occurred, we're reading about it right now, because it's talking about the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus and how that all went down. But um, this was around Pentecost time. So it was in the summer, around June. Late May, June. 
And uh, Zechariah was a priest, and he was called in to do a special at one of the feasts, so it was probably Pentecost. Uh, it doesn't tell us that, but because of my understanding of the seasons and why they would be doing this, we know that this is, he went into the temple and he brought in, he was going to make sure incense was burning. He'd been in there, the people were gathered around, it was a holy time. He'd been in there quite a while, they were beginning to worry about him, like, what? why hasn't he come out yet? Surely it's it's longer, I mean, nobody's been in there that long, has something happened? And they were probably thinking, my gosh, if something happened, or he's he's dead or something, how are we going to get in there without dying ourselves? You know, because only the priest, he had been pulled, his name was pulled by Lot, and he went in there to do this job. And while he was in there, while he was in there, um, the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. He was old. You can see old. This is old. <laughs> he wasn't in childbearing age. I mean, you know, his wife wasn't. They were old. And they, Elizabeth, his wife, uh, was childless. They had no children. And she was way beyond childbearing age. I mean, it was pretty much done for them. But uh, while he was there, uh, this had been going on. I also want to point out that Elizabeth, in the story, was the cousin of Mary, Jesus' mother. I want you to know, it doesn't tell us that, but through studying, they were cousins. But they lived far apart. Mary lived down in Galilee, and Elizabeth and Zechariah lived in the hill country. Uh, so it was quite a distance uh, to get to. And, of course, they were down there because this was a holy season, uh, a feast. And I want to start with verse 11. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him while he was in there, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Now, the altar of incense, by the way, is the altar of worship. We just had the altar of worship going on in this place, okay? So transitions are very important. There could be angels standing are you hearing me? We want to be sensitive. Turn on <laughs> and turn up the volume of your spiritual senses when we're in the midst of worship. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. Now, in the stories of angels, guys, uh, they are fearsome beings, uh, only because they're not scary-looking, but it's because they've stood in the presence of God, they're so close to him, that the holiness makes you afraid because without the, you know, right in righteousness, we have Christ's holiness and righteousness in us, but by no other way are we holy. And when that encounters flesh in its lower states, it makes us fearful like we're going to die. And that's why there is fear generated. Uh, some of you may have encountered angels and had that happen to you. And, um, and Zacharias was troubled and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition, your petition, meaning your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Now, this petition, 
he's past child. They're both past child. This prayer has been going on a long time. Some of you have some prayers that have been going on a long time. I just want to tell you, it's never too late, okay? It's never too late. And Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great. Here comes the prophetic season that we're talking about. And he will be, he's prophesying this. And he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will drink no wine nor liquor. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Okay? We talk about gestation and what is in a womb. This conversation from an angel from heaven tells us his name is, he's already been named by God. His name is John. And this baby that is going to come in her womb at some point is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not a blob, not a bunch of cells, but God is calling this man, child, that son that is going to be born to them. This is what it is. We need to be mindful of that and understand what God is telling us about a babe in the womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. Meaning, they weren't serving God and he, you know, he went down to the river. The river Jordan. And he preached it. And they, the spirit of God came and the conviction came and they turned their hearts and they repented and they were baptized. And back to the verse 17. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, meaning Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Come on. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Angels have names. Okay? I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold... You shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. I just want that to settle on you a little bit. Now, let's drop down to verse 26. Anyway, uh, or wait a minute, let's see. Anyway, the people were wondering. Zacharias came out. He lost his voice. He couldn't speak. He had to make signs. He had to write on tablets and tell them what was going on. Amen. And uh, it said, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, in verse 24, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. This is important for you to know. She was in seclusion for five months. Okay, so this is about what time? I just told you it was around June. So where would that put us? July, August, September, October, November. Around this time, she was five months pregnant. 
This is important because now we come into verse 26. Now in the sixth month, meaning her pregnancy, which would put us into December, (laughs) the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, meaning fearful, of that statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary is hearing all this, She's just a teenager, guys. She's a young girl. She's a teenager. A young teenager. But it doesn't seem to rattle her too much. It seems she must have known about it. It was a frightful experience. It was intense. It was crazy. I'm the favored one. Imagine an angel coming and giving you this kind of salutation. And of course, this is the same angel, Gabriel, that came to her cousin Elizabeth, who lived in the hill country, who Mary didn't know about this at the time, okay? You know, they didn't have cell phones. Nobody's ringing somebody up. Guess what? She's not around. They're living in two parts of the country, distance apart. You just, you have to do your chores. You don't have time to go chasing over and going visiting and popping in for a cup of tea or coffee. The same angel came to Mary in December. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God? Her face. In verse 34, she said, and, and, and how can this be since I'm a virgin? And then the angel again in verse 37, he says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Now, think about how beautiful this story is because still, She's having this experience. Here's an angel. Others are going to question this. She's questioning it herself. Is this real? Am I hallucinating? Have I been in the sun too much today? You know, what? And then the angel says, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So she receives this word. 
Is that good? I'm just going to read you a couple more verses from here, and then I want to talk to you about angels. In verse 39, Now at this time, Mary arose and went with haste. Oh, wait, I missed I missed verse 36 there. Did, did I didn't read 36 to you, did I? And behold, even your relative Elizabeth... This is what I love about this story, is the angel set this up. God set this up six months earlier. Mary didn't know Elizabeth was pregnant. Mary knew she's childless all their life. She felt bad. She prayed for them. It was sad. It was embarrassing. If you didn't have children, it was like, there's something wrong with your family. God isn't blessing you. You know what I mean? It was humbling. It was horrific. And he says... And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. She is six months pregnant. It's December in Israel. For nothing will be impossible with God. She's like, holy moly. She gets up. She figures it out. Verse 39, now at this time Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country. Some say she ran all the way uh, to, to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So here is the prophetic word being manifest. And she hears this. And of course, and uh, for behold, you know, and then they have this little confab. Hi, cousin, you're pregnant. Oh, my gosh, the angel came. You won't believe it. Zachariah was in the temple. You, know, you won't believe And we're pregnant. And, and they're going on. And they're just like, can you imagine the moment of elation? Here's the old woman cousin and Zacharias. And she's six months pregnant. It is December now. So this is, this is why I want you to know that on um, some of the calendars uh, in the early church, in the Catholic church, December 25th is actually the Annunciation meaning the Annunciation, the Holy Spirit overshadowing. The church, the early church, they, uh, we are worshiping. So in one sense, he was birthed. Do you understand the overshadowing? She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And so we are worshiping. I mean, we are worshiping God, and we are celebrating this event. And about nine months later, he was born in September uh, scholars tell us, as we have computers that can go back and track the uh, the heavens and the origins of the stars and where they were, uh, September 29th, 2 B.C., at the Feast of Trumpets that year, Jesus was born. It took several weeks for the Magi to come. They saw the star. It took a lot of time. They came from the Orient traveling 
in a caravan. It wasn't in the stories that we see that it happened the same night. The shepherds came and visited the same night as you continue to read these stories in your Bible. But it took some time. It took some time for them to actually arrive. Okay, so you've had your uh, biblical scriptures here. I want to begin and tell you that there are all kinds of angels. And in chapter 2, 9, 14, the angel of the Lord came to the shepherds when Jesus was born. In verse 13, there was a multitude of a heavenly host, and they were all singing glory to God in the highest on the day that he was born. But with that, I just want to kind of finish up that story a little bit. But there are all kinds of angels, guardian angels, rescue angels, warrior angels, angels of encouragement, messenger angels, strengthening angels, angels at death, come on, singing angels, cleansing angels. I mean, that is just a short list of the kinds and types of things and assignments that they are to do. And in Psalm 91 and 11, it says, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to keep you in all your ways. You, and you, and you, and you, you. The biblical stories we have, I want you to remember these stories. I want you to believe Daniel in the lion's den. He was thrown into the lion's den, hungry lions. But an angel came and kept the mouth of the lion closed. He was left there overnight. They were coming in to see if his shoe was over in the corner you know, the next morning. But he was still there, and they were amazed. Read that story. Look that up. How about Peter, the Apostle Peter, when he was on death row? He was in prison. He was on death row. He was going to be executed. There were 16 soldier guards around him. And not only that, they chained him to two soldiers. This is a marvelous story. Give us a movie on this. There's nothing worthy of it. Give me a movie on this. And an angel shows up and bingo, the chains are broken and says, come on, can you imagine the terror in those guards and the two guys that were chained to Peter? And he's like, get out of here. You know, follow me out of here right now. He was a rescue. He set him free. Rescued by an angel. Amen. Rescued by an angel. But I want to talk to us because when people start telling you about angel stories I know I know it because I know myself and I know you we get skeptical don't we and we're like is this real did they really have that experience I saw an angel and the angel came and said is it real there are some nutcases around telling these nutcase stories. I'm telling you, you have to be discerning. I'm not kidding you. You can find anything you want on the internet, but I'm talking about even, come on, uh, he said, you know, the, even Satan, even the word of God tells us that Satan manifests as an angel of light, meaning enlightenment. We have to be discerning, but I want to be discerning and not skeptical. Do you understand the difference? A skeptic is more like naysay. No, 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 no. I don't believe in that. But discerning is, is this truth? Is the Holy Spirit bearing witness to this story? Amen? 
we must be discerning. We'll be accountable for it. And so, um, but sometimes we have a difficulty in believing this, and we're skeptical or we're surprised when something like that happens. Um, and when our friends and people tell us things like that. But Jesus said, these are Jesus' words, okay? These are what Jesus said about angels. Um, and he said this in Matthew 18.10, See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. I mean, he was talking about the children. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus testifies to us that there are angels in heaven that are assigned to these little children. Every child has an angel, a guardian angel, assigned to them. Amen? Now, many of us, or each of us might have a story or stories about angels. Um, God has appointed angels to each one of us. I want to share one story with you, or two stories very quickly, um, that happened to happen that I know of. I know the players. I know, I know. Uh, I saw their faces uh, when one of these stories was related to me. Many, and maybe some of you, uh, maybe some of you watching have heard this story before, and maybe you haven't. But in 1983, Lonnie and I were in our vehicle the day after Thanksgiving. We were living in West Hartford at the time. We were coming into town to collect um, the mail that was, you know, the post office was open the next day and pick up a few things, and we were going back home to hang out with our kids. Our kids were busy. We had lots of animals. Uh, we had a little mini farm out there, and we had a two-year-old son. And we had a little Pontiac, uh, I don't remember, Phoenix, and it was a unibody type of car. It was a new design, which meant it was all one piece, okay? And it wasn't an old car, but we had four kids, and this car was really designed for five people. But this is before seatbelt laws that you will be, <laughs> you will be ticketed and, you know, for not using your seatbelts. And we didn't use seatbelts. And normally, if our whole family was in that particular vehicle, Jed was sitting on my lap, and I was in the front seat and our three daughters were in the back so thankfully that day the kids were at home and we said we're going to hurry we're going to get back here we're going to just have fun and games with you kids we're going to have a blessed day we're going to cook we're going to do whatever you want um, and on our way the first snow of the season was sprinkling a light snow down on route 14 that had just been paved that summer that was the first snow so there was no salt on the roads and you know that little rainbow that comes on uh, oils that come up to the top of new pavement when they get wet? You see the little rainbows on it? That was there. And someone pulled out in front of what used to be the old Kelton's, which is the auction place on Route 14. Lonnie and I were only doing about 35. It was fine. Um, happened to be a stick shift car. wasn't an automatic. And um, somebody just pulled out in front of us. And Lonnie s softly tried to slow down and downshift, and our car went into a spin. And it went into a spin as it came down the highway. 
and as it spinned, it picked up speed. And I'm looking at the fences, and Lonnie goes to me, and I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, help us, you know. You've always helped us before, Lord. I'm saying, Jesus. And Lonnie says, Kathy, uh, he said, um, brace yourself. I'm not going to be able to pull this out. And at seconds, milliseconds after he said that, our car was spinning like this down Route 14, and it went sideways into a telephone pole, a solid object. And our unibody car wrapped around like a horseshoe around that telephone pole. It hit Lonnie's side of the car. When I came to, every window had been blown out. The snow was coming in. I realized at that point that I was still alive because I wasn't sure, because I wasn't feeling pain. But within milliseconds of that, my body kicked in and the breath, I the, the air had been knocked out of my lungs, and as I inflated my lungs, every cell in my body began to scream in horror of the condition of the broken bones and everything else. I was pinned under Lonnie. I could not see him. All I could see, I was down in the floorboard. I was under him. He was on top of me, mangled. The only thing I could see was his hand. His hand was there, and it was limp like this. That's all I could see. And I tried to talk, and I, I couldn't because I had broken off my sternum, and, you know, everything was broken in here. Ribs were broken. My arm was completely disengaged and destroyed in multiple places, fractured in the elbow. Nothing was working. Uh, other things, and I just... I couldn't get voice out, and I was trying to make noises. Someone came to the car uh, from Kelton's and said, are you guys all right? And, and that's how I heard the voice. I couldn't see him. Uh, I knew it was Bodie Kelton by his voice because I knew him in town, and he just said, oh, God, I'm going to get help. He had to run in and get it to a telephone. Uh, <clears throat> Shortly thereafter, I didn't know, but I was like, I told Lonnie, I said, um, don't die on me. Don't die. I, I grunted this out in a very strange, it, not the way I'm saying it. Don't die on me. No. That's about what I could get out. And then suddenly I saw this limp hand go like this. And, and I thought, Okay, he, he's moving. And then I'm laying there, and I'm seeing snow coming through the window as I'm pinned in there. And then I see, I know that he's alive and his heart is beating because blood is coming from his head wound, which I didn't know he had, but blood was coming from his head wound, and it was hitting where the rearview mirror should have been, and it was dripping down on me. So it was splattering me. Very interesting scene. I was covered with blood. When they got there, they didn't know, uh, but it wasn't my blood, and it had filled up part of the hood on my coat that I was wearing in the car. I'm telling you, this was meant by the enemy to be a fatal car accident. And if I didn't die in it, 
it would destroy our family and affect my children's lives forever and ever in this kind of tragedy. So soon came along a um, game warden. And while Lonnie was on top of me, apparently he told me I couldn't see him where I was pinned down under the front con you know the front dashboard and things. My head was under there. Um, and I couldn't see him and he just said I'm a game warden and I was gonna go have lunch and I came down and then I just changed my mind. I'm gonna go have lunch and I came down this way. I'm so glad I came. Help is on the way. And you know, they're saying the things they're trained to say. You're gonna be okay. And Lonnie um arrested. Lonnie's heart stopped beating. And um, he said, this is going to hurt, but I have to do CPR on your husband right now. So I'm pinned under him, crushed like that. Every push of everything in Lonnie in that car but God's grace, I want to tell you, God's grace is so sufficient for you. When you get to a point in your life that you can't take it, when your husband has been taken and you're in shock and you can't believe it, God's grace comes in and it's sufficient for you, Karen. It is sufficient for you, widows. It is sufficient to get you through the tragedy and the intensity of a moment of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen next. It's never been walked out in your life before. I didn't know, but somehow God's grace came and it started pouring in me and I was able to do it. And something in my mind clicked and I thought every, every pain I feel means I'm alive and that he has a possibility to have life. And I could take it. And God, nothing was impossible for me. And I, in my mind, was like my body was, the pain was so excruciating. You know, you see in films where people just pass out. My mind was trying to pass out. It was so excruciating. And I just said, no, I can't pass out. I have to know. That's Kathy's control. No, I have to be awake for all of this. Do you understand? Some of us are like that. We have to control everything. I grew up that way. My father was an alcoholic. My, my family was dysfunctional. I had to be in control. Nobody else was in control. Somebody had to be in control of the dysfunction. And I'm in a moment like this. And I was like, no, but I wanted to be awake. I wanted to know. Part of it wasn't just to control. It was so I could pray. Because I didn't have the ability to speak it out physically. I could pray in the spirit. And I am a ravaging prayer warrior of speaking in the tongues and the apostle paul says if it's the tongues of men i don't know or the tongues of angels whatever was coming out of me i hadn't heard before in my mind and i wanted i wasn't going to not be functional lonnie started breathing again about that time the ambulance comes. There's only one ambulance. There had been so many accidents that day everywhere, first snow. They said, we only have one. We're going to have to take him first. We're going to come back for you. I said, no, you can't. I have to be with you. I, we're going together. 
ma'am, there isn't room. There isn't room. We only have benches where we see we would have to tie you down. And you were severely injured. We would have, it, it, it will, you, you can't, t- you won't be able to handle that right. I said, tie me down. Tie me down. I can't leave his side. You know, I'm, tie me down, you know. And we went off to the hospital. We went. Um, we got there. Lonnie was obviously unconscious. I told them that I didn't want us in separate rooms. They put us in one room, and they were going to separate us at one time. And I said, no, no. And again, this is a holiday weekend. Everybody's, all the good doctors are on vacation. They're visiting families. But that day, the chief of orthopedics, he was ready to reach. He was beyond retirement. He was crotchety, but he knew everything. He was on that weekend. He let the young ones go. And he was there. And they had called him in because my case. But it took hours of testing, you know, <laughs> to see what was broken, where was broken, anything burst, you know, bloody inside, what's going on. And they're working on him. And they just say, I'm like, what is his condition? What is his condition? My neighbors went and picked up Chantel, brought the kids to the hospital. Chantel came in at 15 years old and said, Mommy. She took one look at me. I hadn't been cleaned up. They were too busy doing testing, not worrying about all the blood and the glass in my face coming out. She says, Mommy, is Daddy going to die? I said, I don't know. But if he does, God is going to help us. God with us, guys. Emmanuel. One of the names of God. We sang some of the names. Emmanuel. God with us. God will be with us. I couldn't comfort her. I was mangled. I couldn't hug her. She didn't want to, she wanted to hold me, but my face was bloody. There was no place just even for a kiss. I said, you're going to be okay, and I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to let them operate on me until they can tell me something about his condition. Finally, at 10.30 that night, it had been 12 hours. The accident happened at 10.30 in the morning. They took Lonnie, they had brought in a, um, plastic surgeon, they put a tube, they said, we're not giving him anything. If you uh, insist on being in here, he's going to say stuff, he's going to say bad words, he's going he's gonna to react terribly to this, um, we're just, he's going to cuss. I said, no, my husband isn't going to cuss. He says, well, even the best of the non-cussers cuss. It's what happens to the brain and stimuli. Even when they're in, there's seven, he said there's seven levels of unconsciousness, and this is what's, I'm just warning him. I said, fine, okay, fine. What Lenny did do is when they started inserting that, he had a depressed skull fracture, so it's like a ping pong ball that gets dented, and they had to go in and pull the bone up, and then they, I I watched them do it. They patted it. All the broken bones, they just patted it and kind of molded it the way it should be, (laughs) and then they sold up. Uh, sewed up all the skin that had, um, you know, like a spider web is what it looked like at that time. 
while they were doing it, this is what Lonnie said, and I, I'm not going to do it on the microphone because it's too loud, but he was screaming at the top of his lungs in that ER, and he was saying, That's what he said. And he said that twice. And they told me I had to be qu quiet and I couldn't respond or talk to him if he said anything to me. And my tears just ran. That feeling of falling if you were jumping off a cliff and there's no help me. I think of it when Betty Green comes and says she was falling into a volcano of hell and how frightening that was for her. I think of that feeling that Lonnie must have been having that day. And then finally they were done. And they said, okay, you're next. And we're taking him. He's going to be on a different floor than you. And um, your doctor's coming in. The surgeon's here. They're ready. They've got a team. We're going to do I said, but what about him? And they said, don't expect any changes for seven days. Somehow I related and said, okay. There was nothing more. Uh, there was a release in my spirit. I went into surgery. I was in surgery at that time for six hours. And then I came back, recovery. I was in a room. And it was still dark. And uh, <clears throat> so this nurse came in and you know the minute I came to I asked how is my husband what's the news on my husband I didn't care about me it was what is the news on my husband and she came and she was with me all night she was the cutest thing she had pure white hair you know how mine continues to turn white hers was just glorious white uh, she had it up and she had on one of those little old-fashioned nurse hats that I hadn't seen in a while. And I thought, that is so amazing. And, you know, she was in her white shoes and everything. And she looked like something right out of the 40s or 50s or 60s, even. The nurses still wore those hats. And um, the 70s. So <clears throat> I just thought, well, she is she's a neat person. I just felt so loved. And she would come and touch me. And she said, you're good, when I'd ask her. And then I'd fall back, of course, under the anesthesia. And then I would, she would be in the room. I'd wake up and I'd say, oh, how is my husband? She said, he's going to be okay. He's, going, he's doing fine. He's going to be okay and so are you. And I'd say, oh, thank you. You know, like, you know, and then I would be out. So this happened three or four times. So then I went to sleep for a long time. And when I woke up, it was probably 8 o'clock, 9 a.m. at this time. And new nurses had come in. So I got to talking with them, asked them how Lonnie was, and I said, I, I want you to take me up to his room. And they're like, you're ambitious lady, but they just were appeasing me. Yes, we're going to find a way to put you in a wheelchair and take you up there to the other floor. And then I got to talking to them, and I said, um, well, I never got the name of the nurse that I had last night, and she was so wonderful, and she helped me so much and comforted me so much. Uh, what is her name? Uh, I said, I, 
what is her name? I never got her name. And they said, well, what did she look like? And I said, oh, she's the one with that beautiful white hair, and she wears that cute little nurse hat um, <clears throat> here. And they go, there's, there's no one no one here that meets that description. There is no one working here. I said, well, sh she has the white hair. It was really shiny with the light on it. It was just shiny and, and blue eyes. And she was here with me all night. She came in and out all night and gave me reports on my husband and how he was doing. And I, she had that nurse hat, and I thought it was peculiar, but... And they go, there is no one here with that description. There are angels among us. Angels among us. And in this grandiose occasion that I'm sharing with you today and eliminating a lot of other parts of it, there are angels among us. Now, I haven't gotten to half of my word. I'm almost halfway through, and I will stop soon. You don't have to go through the other half. But this isn't the only thing. I could tell you so many stories. I could tell you so many stories that are true. My daughter and her young family, when they had a brand new baby that was three weeks old, and they were traveling in their van, and they were coming home. They had just taken the kids out. The new baby was fussy. The dad was off that day. They went for a ride. They were coming home. They'd stopped. They'd gotten ice cream. It was kind of in the spring. The kids were fussing. They wanted out of their seat belts. But let me tell you, after Lonnie's in my accident, and while I, why I yell at you to wear your seat belts is because I know what flies. I know that there's no way you can stop yourself. Uh, you are not in control at that kind of speed. And during that encounter, the new baby was really fussy, and she was wanting to nurse. So Julie got up, went to the back, seat in the van between the two girls that were in their, in their um, car seats while Toby was driving. And as she sat down to face forward, which he did, never saw because one of the little girls was fussing and saying, I want mommy and I want out and I want to go back there with mommy. And, she, and he's reaching back and saying, no, you have to stay in your car seat. And his face was facing her just for a second. And as Julie sat down with that brand-new three-week-old little baby in her arms, she looked through the windshield, and there was a moose, a full-blown moose that was crossing the interstate. It was early, you know, just before when they were out eating, swampy area, been drinking, and they hit that thing head on with no braking. And Julie did not have a seatbelt on. There was no time for her to sit down. She barely sat down and she said, Mom, I couldn't even utter the words, Toby, there's a moose. That's how fast it happened. I could see it. I couldn't speak it. And she said, but Mom, I said, she said, Mom, when I sat down, as that all happened, I felt a huge arm 
come against me and the baby, Emily, and hold us down in the seat when we hit that thing. The moose came, it was decapitated. There was another car behind them. It caused an accident for them as the head. This was a huge bull moose. And the head was decapitated as it came through the windshield. The organs came and knocked the breath out of Alexis. It was like uh, either a heart or something. There was an organ about the size of a, ba of a f basketball, and it knocked the breath out of her. Right after that, a car behind them, two cars stopped, and one of them was filled with a doctor, and his wife was an RN, and they had just been deciding to go camping with their kids, and they had a car loaded with water and tents and all sorts of stuff. The moose ended in the, pa well, most of it did, in the passenger seat where Julie would have been sitting if she had stayed there to nurse the baby. But she didn't. The angel was in the car. It, why none of them weren't killed in this accident, nobody knows. When the doctor came on the scene, he opened, before the police even got there, he opened the side of the van, and there was so much um, blood that he went into shock. He told them later, he thought, as a trauma, He'd worked in trauma units. He thought, there's so much blood here. Nobody's going to live here. Nobody's going to survive. The wind had been knocked out of Alexis. They pulled the organ off of her. The food and grass that the moose had ingested had hit with such impact because they're going 65 miles an hour when they hit that. It actually kind of came into their skin pieces of glass, shards of glass, but the, but the actual food that the moose was, had impacted her mouth. As she was screaming out, probably fussing to get in the back seat, it all came in. They had to reach in. Julie reached in and pulled it out of her mouth so Alexis could breathe and then hit her back. But an angel was in that car. The doctor came out of shock. And Julie was yelling at him, saying, don't just stand there. Get my baby out of this car seat. And she still had Emily in her arms. Toby was still in shock. There are angels among us. And then there's the question. I have to finish with this. Where was my guardian angel when I needed it? I want to tell you that the guardian angels come, and then we have these tragic consequences. God is sovereign. He, the word says he brings rain on the just and the unjust. I can't tell you why some things happen to godly Christians, etc., etc. I can't tell you why. I don't know. There is a greater answer. All things work together for good for them who believe in God and are called according and love God and are called according to his plan and purpose. I know that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, let's just take Jesus. He didn't spare his own son. Jesus was there, and he was suffering at what was about to happen. And God sent an angel. We, we read that account. And the angel came to say it was a strengthening angel to strengthen him for what he was going through. Those angels in both these stories I just told you, um, I'm just a, it happened. It's my story. I'm an eyewitness.
Julia is an eyewitness. God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus, but he did not spare him from the suffering of the cross and death on a cross for you and I, for the greater good, for the greater purpose, for the greater story. So when these happen, I don't get bitter. I, I don't know why. God has his reasons. I have, to, I have to embrace that. He's God. I'm not. He's God. I'm not. And so I want you to know that angels are among us, and I want your eyes to be opened, and I'm praying for you right now, that your discernment, I pray for you as we end right now. Father, we come in and we acknowledge all the stories and the story of your birth and the angelic host and everything that manifested during the season. And we know it's just like fall, winter, spring, fall, and winter. This is a season of prophetic happenings and a season of visitation. It's a season that comes with your glory. And we sense it, and we felt it here today. We felt it here today, Father, when you were manifesting your presence during that song and that dance, King of Glory. We, we are aware of your presence, and we surrender. We surrender to your sovereignty today in our lives. We let go of any bitterness or misunderstandings that may have happened at times when I thought you should have been somewhere and I didn't think you were. God, I don't understand it all, but we let go of that and we get on with the business of the kingdom and continuing to believe that you would release and show us. Father, I ask you for discernment to come upon the people today and upon our hearts and in our hearts and give us eyes to see Jesus, as you say, for those who have eyes to see and for those who have ears to hear. hear. And God, give us hearing ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking in these days. And Lord, we don't come to worship angels. We, we're not here to worship angels. We're not trying to make them our entire focus, but Father, we're here to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and to be aware, Abba, of you working with the hosts of heaven behind the scenes in our lives. And we thank you for this. We thank you for this with all of our heart. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Touch us. Amen. Amen. I am watching for God. I'm watching for God not only in my own life, but yours. I am expecting greater things, impossible things, as we prepare for worship. I mean, as we prepare for our worship of bringing our, our lives and our worship and our um, offerings and tithes. I was going to do a picture. Can, can, I, can you handle one more picture while we bring our offering and you can take a look at it? During the Feast of Tabernacles, can you um, 
hold the mic here for me while I navigate my phone. Uh, during the feast, uh, Chris and Bridget were here, like, I think every night, mm -hmm. early and stayed late. <laughs> they got in, they became, you know, I love virgin experiences, and we're in that season right now, right. you know? It's, man, that first time you went to the feast, you never forget it. Um, let's see. Okay, I got to swipe this. I got to go up here. I got to touch that. Oh, it says stop monitoring, but no. So I guess it's checked. Okay, good. Yep, he's my teacher. Over there, he's getting me. I have to ask him every other week. Would you tell me what they do again? While they were here, uh, after an evening, the presence of God had been so strong in here. I mean, we just came in here. We were intoxicated by his presence. It was so amazing. And um, so Bridget said, I've got to show you these pictures Chris wants me to show you these pictures. And she just snapped three pictures. Uh, please jump in and correct me if I don't get this right. And just recently, I'm looking at Tina right there. She just recently told us a story of an angel that came to the bus stop to alleviate her fears. You guys, there's visitations going on here in your lives. And so she says, I want to get a picture of, of uh, Pastor and Chris together at the feast. And so... They're just standing there. She didn't move. Nothing happened. You took three pictures in a row. And sometimes the angels just decide when they're going to reveal themselves to you. They are incognito a lot. But I have seen them, and I recognize this immediately. So here's the next one. So one, look at that. Do you see the manifestation of the glory of God in that picture? Is that amazing? It's actually coming down on Lonnie's head. Lonnie, that's what you'd look like with absolutely no hair there. Okay. But look at that. And look how it's glowing. How, how the glory of the Lord is glowing. And how it lit up. And nothing changed. Nobody turned lights on. Nothing changed. And look how it's flashing. That's how much uh, is happening up there. And you can't see it on my phone. I can see like rays coming from that white part. You can't see it on this wall. But on my phone here, you can see the rays of it coming all the way to the walls. And then this is the next one. And now in this one, you can see some of those rays coming there. But look at the pure white. Is that amazing? So. And that God, I was so touched more than this because when we start seeing things like this, you know, there's kind of, I, I don't want to say desensitization to it, but you're not as shocked if you see it again. I was so blessed that God revealed himself to those two. What a reward from heaven. And, you know, on those nights when you're exhausted and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to come to the feast tonight, but I'm going to get there. And then you're rejuvenated. But imagine God released these pictures and the revelation of the angels over Lonnie and Chris. Which, yes, and that's the eighth day of the glory, of revealing the glory of God in the midst of the house. And he says, let's have a gathering, a holy convocation 
and the angels were right here with us. It was so amazing, and it still is amazing if we could just have eyes to see. Amen? So here, Lonnie, you can tell the people goodbye. So you get to see everything. <laughs> we love you all dearly. And listen, one thing I do want to see, back here is an angel tree. If you Have we turned everything off, Jackie? Okay. Well, if you're still here and you're local, listen, guys, we have an angel tree that has names and tags of people who, who, families who are really hurting and could really be blessed this Christmas. And there's little tags on this. If you want to be involved in that, just call Deb Kerwin, our administrator at the school, Potter's House School in Hartford, Vermont, or get on, you know, that's the best way. Get a hold of Deb Kerwin and grab one of these. We want to have all these gifts brought in by the 16th of December. And I can see at least seven or eight that are still there. Okay? So um, be sure and get that. And any of you guys that haven't gotten one, it's so wonderful. Just take that out and shop for those folks. It's such a blessing to give in that way. Amen? Oh, okay. Somebody must be calling me. Okay. Anyway, uh, ignore that. I should go back to the picture. All right. Amen. I bless you guys.